Would you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? We're going to be looking at Peter's sermon that he preached on the day of Pentecost as we talk about the events of what took place at that time in Jerusalem. I'd ask you to keep it open. We're going to be looking at verses 22 to 41, and I'll read that a little bit later. But let's pray as we come to God's Word. Father, we thank you for your Word. It was written for our benefit, that we might know you, that we might see the truth of what happened so many years ago when you sent your Son into this world on a mission, a mission to be our Savior, to die for our sins, that we might be redeemed, forgiven, and have eternal life. And Father, today as we take a look at this story, as we hear it through the words of Peter, one of the apostles, I pray that it would ring fresh and true in our hearts, that it would encourage us and fill us with hope and confidence, because your word is truth, and Jesus is the Savior. Amen. Near the end of World War II, General Dwight Eisenhower went to visit one of the German concentration camps. He had heard about them as they were being liberated, and he wanted to see firsthand for himself exactly what had taken place there. He felt it really was his duty as the commander of the Allied forces that if anyone should ask him in the future what took place, that he would be able to testify firsthand about the things that he saw. He said, I visited every nook and cranny of the camp that he went to. He said, there were some in our party who could not make it through when they saw the horror and the brutality of what had taken place there. It was shocking. It was appalling. Uh, He said several years later that I have never been able to capture in words the emotion I felt when I went to that place and I saw firsthand what had happened. When he returned from that visit, he immediately went back to Patton's headquarters and he sent word to both England and the United States to send the journalists, to send the newspaper writers, to send the photographers, to send the media, to document and take pictures of what happened here. Because Eisenhower feared that the things that took place were so shocking, so horrific, that in the future people might not believe that it ever happened. They might think that it was just simply allied propaganda. They would deny the truth of what happened in that day. Eisenhower's words were, in a sense, prophetic, weren't they? Because that's exactly what has happened in our world by some. If you do a search online today and you look for Eisenhower's comments on what he felt as he went to those concentration camps, you will find also articles that pop up that say it's a myth. Never happened. People who want to deny the truth of what took place in those days. 2,000 years ago, the greatest event in history took place, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the men who wrote about that event were eyewitnesses. Uh, They saw Jesus' life and ministry. They heard Him teach. They saw the miracles that He performed. They saw Him crucified, dead, and buried. But they also saw the empty tomb 
and the risen Christ. And they wrote these things down again for our benefit so that we might know exactly what happened at that time. John, who was one of the apostles, said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched concerning, or this we proclaim, concerning the word of life. They wanted us to know the truth of what had been told. But sadly, just like there are people who deny the truth of the Holocaust today, there are some in our world who would deny the truth of the resurrection. And what would the apostles say to them? And what would they say to us today? They would say, let the truth be told. Let the truth be told and shout it from the rooftops. Tell the world that Jesus is risen. Tell the world that Jesus is alive. The setting for Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. And 50 days have passed since the time of Christ's death and resurrection. And Pentecost was one of the special feasts that took place in Judaism. It was called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. It had been established by Moses. It came at the time of the spring wheat harvest. And people would come and they would bring their offerings and they'd give thanks to God. And in the Jewish tradition, they also believed that this was the day on which Moses was given the law, the Ten Commandments, and he brought them down to the people. And so they celebrated the gift of the harvest and the gift of the law on that day. And what Peter tells us is that on this particular day, there were about 120 followers of Christ who had gathered together. Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem until He would send the Holy Spirit who would come upon them. And so they waited and they were praying and they were waiting for the Lord to act and to do what He had promised. And on that day, as they were gathered in one place, a mighty wind came upon them. And something like tongues of fire came upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now remember, for this feast, people would have come to Jerusalem from all over the Mediterranean world. There would be believers there who had come who were speaking many different languages that were represented in the area around there. And they heard now these believers in Christ speaking to them in their own language. And they they marveled at this. What is taking place? And they didn't quite understand it. And some said, are they drunk? I mean, are these guys just babbling on? Or what is taking place here? And Peter stood up and addressed the crowd that had gathered on the temple grounds. And he said to them that these men are not drunk. What you are seeing is the fulfillment of Scripture that is found in Joel, the prophet. And he began to quote from the book of Joel, and we see that in Acts 2.17, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter tells us that we are living in the last days. It is the final stage in God's plan of salvation history in which he is bringing people into a relationship with himself. It's the age of the church. It's the age of the gospel, if you will. And these last days began with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and they will end with the return of Jesus Christ to earth once again. And God is pouring out his Holy Spirit just as he promised. We are told in the scriptures that Christ could come at any time. And doesn't it seem like that when you look at what's happening in our world? When you see the challenges that we face and the wars that are taking place or the struggles that are taking place, when you see concerns about spread of nuclear weapons or the dramatic consumption of finite resources, when you see increased threats from terrorism or even how quickly our economy can collapse, In the book of Revelation, it says that in one hour, Babylon the Great fell. And when we look at the ripple effects of what can take place in the market economy as we are tied together globally, how quickly that can change. At any time, Jesus Christ could return. This is a day of harvest, Peter says. This is a day when those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who come to Christ in faith, all who come to recognize and acknowledge who He is, that He is indeed Lord, will be saved. But how are people going to hear unless someone tells them? How are they going to hear unless someone shares the news? And so what Peter did on that day was he began to speak to this crowd that had gathered and he told them what had happened. He interpreted for them, if you will, what had happened in those recent days. In verse 22, he said, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through Him, as you yourselves know. And this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter told them about Christ and the resurrection. He told them that Jesus was a man just like us. That he was born in Bethlehem, that he grew up in Nazareth near the Sea of Galilee. You know those details. But Jesus was more than a man. He was God's Son. He was accredited by God by miracles, signs, and wonders that He performed. And no one had ever done the kinds of things that Jesus did. No one ever did the miracles He did. No one ever taught the way that He taught with authority and power. He demonstrated His power over sin, over Satan, over sickness, over disease, over nature, over demons, and over death. No one had ever done what Jesus did. 
And when he died on the cross, that too was according to the will and purpose of God. He was put to death unjustly at the hands of wicked men, Peter says. But God raised him from the dead. And he took them to the scriptures. He took them to Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11. And he quotes these words of David. When David said, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will live in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. And Peter said, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. You could go and see it in Jerusalem. It is here to this day, he is saying. But he was a prophet. And he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, the Messiah. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. For God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to this fact. Peter boldly declared the truth about Christ. No, people need to hear that story today too. People need to hear about Christ today. Sometimes we make assumptions about how much people know or where they may be at if they live in this country. And this past week I was at a pastor's prayer time that I go to and one of the men who was there was sharing how uh, this past week when he had gone into the jail to lead a Bible study. Now, there were two of the inmates who came to his Bible study by mistake, if you will. (laughs) They didn't know it was a Bible study, and when they came and they found that out, you know, he said they kind of looked, oh, you know, like, here's a Bible study. They kind of rolled their eyes back. This wasn't what they were planning on going to. But they stayed. And as this man asked them some questions, he said, well, tell me, what do you know about Easter? What do you think of when you think of Easter? And they shared, well... Basically, they thought it was about an Easter bunny and candy and Easter eggs and stuff like that. That was all they knew. And he said, you know what Easter's really about is about the person, Jesus Christ. And they said, kind of, what? You mean Jesus Christ is a person? I mean, they had really only known and heard the name Jesus Christ as a swear word. They didn't know the story about Jesus Christ. And so this man took them to the Scriptures and walked them through the story of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He had done as He shared the Gospel with them. Well, I'm thrilled today to kind of point out the bouquet of roses that we have up here. We didn't quite have enough white roses. There were over 22 decisions for Christ this past week through people in our church who were involved in ministry. What a joy that is. And it was at all ages, from those who work with our preschool, with Stepping Stones, through Awana ministry, through one-on-one contact, and through uh, adult outreach. We have a man in our church who works with FCA, too, that was involved in that. And just through all of those different means, as people were sharing the gospel this week, 
telling the story of Christ and his resurrection, we had many individuals make a first-time commitment to Jesus Christ. And I praise God for that. What a wonderful Easter this is going to be for those individuals who know and understand what they have done and who can join today with us in saying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is my Savior too. That's why the Scriptures were written. John said that these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in His name. Tell the world that Jesus is risen. Tell the world that Jesus is Lord. I want to go on in Peter's message here and take a look at what he wrote in verses 33 and following. He talked about Jesus, that He is now exalted to the right hand of God. And He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And He has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let's go back through those verses. Where is Jesus today? Peter tells us that He is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. He is there at that position of power and authority. He is exalted over men and angels and demons. He is Lord of all. And Peter took them again to the Scriptures in Psalm 110, verse 1. It's the very thing that we are to do when we share the good news about Jesus Christ. In fact, if you were to look at Peter's sermon that he gave on this day, half of it is Scripture. As he goes back again and again to the Word of God to say, this is what God said. This is what God has done. And this particular passage of Psalm 110, uh, verse 1, was a passage that the rabbis debated. Because here David is saying, the Lord said to my Lord. The Lord, God, the Father said to my Lord, the one who was to be the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And the question that the, that the rabbis debated was this. How could the Messiah be David's son and David's Lord? How could he both be a descendant of David and yet David would call him Lord? And they had no answer for that. Jesus Himself had used it to stump the rabbis. He had posed this question to them. And Peter answers that for us when he tells us that Jesus is both. He is both Lord and Christ. He is the descendant of David. He is David's son. He is the Messiah who was promised who would come to be our Savior. But He is also Lord. And what Peter meant by that term Lord is more than just a title of respect. When Peter called Jesus Lord, he meant God. And what the apostles would do, what Peter and the others who wrote the New Testament would do, is they would apply to Jesus as Lord all of the same attributes that applied to God the Father in the Old Testament. 
that he is Lord and God. Peter declared boldly the truth before those who had gathered this day. And when you think about it, in that crowd that had gathered there on the Temple Mount were probably some of the very same people who had shouted out, Crucify Him. Who had been there and who had wanted Jesus put to death. But now Peter is explaining to them what has happened and declaring that Christ is alive. He is risen from the dead. He is God's Son. And this proof of the resurrection testified to all that Jesus claimed. This same Peter, who just weeks before had denied that he ever knew Jesus, now was standing and boldly proclaiming the gospel. What made the difference in his life? He had seen the risen Christ. When you know the truth, it gives great conviction, doesn't it? If you've ever been questioned about something or accused and you know the truth, It's not hard to tell it as it is and to state boldly what you believe or what you saw and what you heard. Gail and I recently have been watching the miniseries on John Adams. I had enjoyed the book on John Adams written by David McCullough. And when you read that, you see how God used this individual in the time of the American Revolution to be such a significant part of that. He was a man of courage and strength. And he made this quote that I like. He said that facts are stubborn things. Facts are stubborn things, aren't they? You can't just easily dismiss them. You can't erase them. You can't ignore them because facts keep popping up again. They keep confronting you with the truth that they declare again and again. There are people who deny the Holocaust. But facts are stubborn things. And you can't really get away from it, can you? And there are people who deny the truth about Jesus Christ, that He is Lord or that He rose from the dead. But facts are stubborn things. And you can't get away from them. Jesus keeps confronting you with the truth and says, what are you going to do with it? Who will you believe? The apostles were willing to die for the truth of the resurrection. They knew that Jesus was Lord. They had seen Jesus alive. And so all but one of them would die as a martyr, and John, who did not die as a martyr, would die in exile because of their faith in Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2 concerning Jesus that because of his humility... God has exalted him to the highest place and has given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every knee will bow before him, either willingly or unwillingly. And every person will acknowledge that He is Lord. Wouldn't you rather do that now, willingly, before that day comes? You know, if you are here today and you have never read the Gospels about the life of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that. I urge you to do that. And if you need some help in understanding the Scriptures and what it all means, we would love to help you. 
And we have a class called Christianity Explored that's just for that, so people can ask the questions that they have about the Scriptures, about who is Jesus, about what this means as a way to study and investigate that. Or you may want to talk with someone one-on-one who could help you in digging into the Scriptures. But I can tell you I've been studying the Scriptures all of my adult life. And the more that I study the Bible, the more amazed I am by the truth and the power of God's Word. There is no other book like it. Wilbur Smith said concerning the resurrection, he said, If our Lord said frequently and with great definiteness and detail that after he went up to Jerusalem he would be put to death, but on the third day he would rise again from the grave, and this prediction came to pass, then it has always seemed to me that everything else that our Lord ever said must also be true. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. And as Peter shared this message, in verse 37 it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have never done so before, I would urge you to open your heart to Christ today. To turn from your sin, that's what repentance is, to acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I have broken God's law and I have sinned against Him. And to ask Christ to forgive your sins and turn to Him in faith for salvation. And He instructs us to be baptized as an evidence of the commitment that we have made. And I would urge you to do that as well. To be baptized as an evidence that you have become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer to receive Christ as your Savior today with me. And if you pray that prayer with me this morning, and it's the first time you've ever done that or made that commitment, would you tell me or tell someone that you know? And also, if sometime this summer or this spring you would like to be baptized, let us know that as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the offer of salvation that you have given through Jesus Christ. And if you are here today and you would like to pray to ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, would you repeat these words after me silently in your own heart? Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I open the door of my life and I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And Jesus, all of us who know you and who can remember that time when we prayed that prayer and made a commitment to you as our Savior and Lord, We give you thanks today for your grace, for your mercy, and for your presence in our life. And then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, 
to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.